Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here the Monday after the Christmas holiday. I hope all you bandwagoners out there had an enjoyable holiday that you were able to spend time with your friends and family uh, and just, you know, had, you know, made the most uh, of, of, a, of a nice weekend. It was, uh, it's all, I always like it. Oddly enough, uh, gentlemen, when the weekends are on, like when when the holiday is on, like a Saturday or Sunday, because then it pushes my day off to either the Friday or Monday surrounding that weekend. So we get a little extra time. And so we are joined with a limited bandwagon this week as the live studio audience, PC Tunney, is not going to make it today. So we'll do that. But we are going to welcome the other two, uh, the other half of the kind of what I would call the core four of the bandwagon in the Reverend Ray Cash. How are you, sir? Welcome to the bandwagon. We got a lot of, we got a little listy heavy show today. So um, this could either be, this could go one of two ways. It could be either quite efficient or we could be here until New Year's. Y'all been listening to us long enough. We'll be here till New Year's. We'll be here to New Year's, and especially because we do have a long-winded lawyer as part of this uh, bandwagon today. The lawyer himself, Mr. David Ongar. David, how are you today, my friend? Pretty well. Pretty well. Looking forward to this uh, kind of this year-end wrap-up sort of episode. So, yeah, this will be fun. So, and yeah, and that's what we're going to do this week. We are, we are going to continue the DC Marvel Decathlon. Uh, we did... Yeah, obviously PC Tunney is not here. Last week we made the executive decision in Ray's absence to allow an additional voter to the decathlon. Ray had some feelings in the DM chat. Uh, as no, we, uh, no, uh, no, I 
I didn't have feelings about Chris being on it. I had feelings about me being on it if Chris was going to be on it because I didn't think it needed to be more than four a week. I, I there's what happened. See what happened was Mm-mm. because I counted because I counted your vote votes towards the total. It just it kind of messed up the ratio. So and that was that's why that's what I was worried about exactly. Right, you you called it out and I didn't think it through. Um, basically now instead of it being a total of what was it was it forty now it'll be a total of fifty. So we can still have a twenty five to twenty five tie at the end of all this business. Uh, after this week, I'll be interested to see where it goes as uh, as the decathlon will continue with week three, the midway point, and we are covering superiority in films and inclusion and diversity. So that um that could uh, that could sway things. I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. I know I, I obviously have uh, both Tunney's and um, Chris's votes. You guys saw them too if you were in the DM chat. So I'm sure you know it as well. But the other thing we decided to do, this is the last uh, BWN podcast before the before the end of 2021. And so we are going to do our top 10, our top 10-ish list. It'll be actually 25 items, uh, full disclosure. <laughs> Ray, Ray owned it. Uh, only has five. But our top 10 moments of nerddom. And I can't wait for you guys to rake me over the coals. In fact, I'm going to preemptively boo myself because – I'm going to own that I kind of cheated a little bit. But but more on that when we actually get to the that part of the show. That will take up the lion's share of the episode in the middle section there. We are, of course, going to continue our cover of uh, coverage of The Witcher Season 2. At least Dave and I have watched uh, the first two episodes of Season 2. Ray... Um, it, I, I know things have been busy. Have you had a chance to, to get any streaming in under your belt and any Witcher under your belt at all? I started the first couple episodes and then just got busy. Um, yeah. But it's it, it, it's interesting enough for me to keep watching. It's not something I would have probably watched uh, had I not been prompted, but it's enjoyable. Are you in season one this or is two, what, Ray? Just one. I want to start from the beginning. I didn't want to start in two and then be like, what the hell's going on? That recap. A recap could be a little bit tough. I forgot to pay the bills real quick, by the way, folks. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. We encourage you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. My apologies to the powers that be at the ChairShot Radio. I am still recovering from the holiday season uh, as as I have spent the day, basically the last 24 hours, watching the Little O'Dowd play his new video games the little shit took over my television i've watched no football i've don't, watched basketball don't don't feel bad because my my kids haven't opened their gifts yet but they got an oculus and they got a game table with like oh. every and with every marvel not marvel with every uh, hasbro game on it so yeah um cool. I, yeah it's gonna be the same thing very nice the little o'dowd got legend of zelda breath of the wild and today oh. i'm watching him Get frustrated, uh, though he has embraced the time-honored tradition of Google the answer, and so he gets stuck. He's like, I don't know, I'm googling it. So he goes and he googles it. He tries really hard, like he really does try to figure out puzzles and stuff himself. Everybody, so don't don't. He's not a complete cheater cheat, but at some point you just gotta Google it. So that was my holiday, Dave. How was your holiday? It's pretty good. Uh, did a lot of um, 
cooked some stuff up on the Traeger for the rest of the family and, and just kind of had some people over and, uh, what's that? Your Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. That's right. Right. We had people over and, uh, we're after this is over, going to go see Spider-Man the second time. going to take my son who <laughs> I texted him yesterday. I said, Hey, you know, how's your Christmas going? He goes, he goes, I'm going to be exhausted because now I'm watching all these Spider-Man movies. You said I need to watch before I go see this thing. So I was <laughs> like, well, you don't really have to watch all of them, but you got to do you your- want to enjoy it. True. Yes. If you want to get the full flavor. Exactly. You got to You got to really do what you need to do um, and do your homework. It's like it's like appearing on the bandwagon. You got to do your homework if you're going to be on the bandwagon because you got to know what we're going to talk about or where we're going to take you. And we're going to start with our, our delving into the Witcher now. So Ray can take a little bit of a break. Um, we're going to spoil season two for him. I am happy to hear he started one, but let, let's let's cue up a little music. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. Okay, so to start, I, 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 I Ray, help me with the phrase because I, I think you and you and um. Platt have used this where you ask for like somebody to get their flowers, like have their flowers, like, or their roses or flowers tossed their way. Yeah. 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 Give them the flowers. Yeah. While they're still here. Yeah, absolutely. So I would like some recognition and love because I called it elves captured Jennifer. Thank you. When um, I'm not going to, I'm not actually going to applaud myself because I'm not, I'm not that much of a beggar, but I would like to hear the two of you just tell me how great I am. Okay. Yes. Feel free to go. Oh, oh, great Patrick of O'Dowd. You are the greatest Patrick yeah. of O'Dowd I've met in ye Patrick of O'Dowd-dom. Very well done. I like that. So we do we do find out uh, rather quickly in this episode, if you'll all recall, at the end of the episode, Yennefer and Fragilla are traveling together with the remnants of help me with that country again, as well as the studio or as the audience drinks. Nilf, Nilfgaard, not, Nilfgaard, not, not Nilfgaard, 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 right. Nilfgaard. Uh, they are ambushed. All of the soldiers are killed. Fringilla and Yennefer are captured and we are quickly brought into the two of them in some sort of wagon. And Yennefer is having a dream. And she is dreaming of a child that she bore with (laughs) for someone who says that, you know, she doesn't love a dude. uh, Sure does dream about having his kid a lot. And uh, that is where this dream kicks up. But she is, it turns quickly into a nightmare as the child like is set on fire. And then it's like being held by this mysterious red cloaked figure you learn that Frangilla is having a, a dream herself and her figure is cloaked in black. And it's all just kind of a mess. And then you learn that elves are the ones that have captured, they're the ones who killed all the soldiers and are bringing them before. And here comes another one where I'm not going to remember her name because I random elfin woman who just showed up. Was that, um, was that Volith? I don't think so. I don't remember her name either, but she like the main elfin. Yeah, yeah, that's an old one. Sorry, I'm trying to cheat. 
um, with IMDb up so that I don't completely suck at forgetting everybody's names. But anyway, um, and what we learned is that this camp of elves is basically trying to reclaim their force. Uh, Yennefer and Fringilla both also are working together to plot their escape uh, and realize that by sharing a dream that seems to have the same hooded figure as this elfin queen who is running the show, perhaps that is their ticket out of here. There, It leads them to this strange shrine where they are all visited by their visions in some way, shape, or form. The vision tells them that there are gods. Yennefer sees through that and is like, it's a little crap. But we also learn something very important about Yennefer, and that is that right now, the chaos is not with her, and she is not able to use magic. Uh, on the other side of things, we continue Geralt and Ciri's journey. He has taken her to the stronghold of the Witchers for the winter, where we meet a whole bunch uh, of other witchers as apparently for the winter, they all return to this castle to kind of regroup, make Mary spend time with each other. Um, and of course, one of them is going to, is going to bring something horrible back. That's going to require them to, to deal with some business. But the big crux of this episode is Henry or not Henry Cavill, sorry, Henry Cavill, Geralt, not wanting to train Siri in combat Siri begging for that opportunity and it takes a confrontation of a, of a monster that uh, basically tagged along on the back of, of one of Geralt's companions for him to realize that I can't, I can't shelter her forever. The world has changed. We need to teach her how to fight. And we end the episode with the two of them doing battle. So Dave, that is a very quick and dirty summary. And even then it wasn't that quick. It was just really dirty. Your thoughts on the episode and questions that you may have, as this felt like a setup episode for what's to come. You know, six episodes to go. We laid some more foundation here. Yeah, I think uh, you summarized it really well as far as the stuff going on with, um, you know, with Yennefer and Frigilla, uh, Frigilla uh, and the elves, and and you know that this hooded figure appears as a different entity to all three of them, and and. and the entity that appears to them, it has deep meaning to each of them on a different level. Like the elf is like, okay, this is how we're going to get our, our, our homeland back. And, and, you know, to, to Yennefer, it's all, you know, playing into the whole thing that she's just trying to get back to the point where she can bear children. But as you mentioned, the big thing with her at the end of, uh, at the end of this episode is that she cannot use, you know, she doesn't have her magic anymore. She's depowered. Obviously, that's not going to last as that that long. We we assume, but um, you know, so you've got and it's funny. Like at the beginning, Yennefer and Fringilla are basically like marked for death by this elf, right? And then as and then it quickly the elf quickly realizes, okay, these two have significant powers, and maybe they can help me. And we're all sharing this vision, so maybe I need to rethink this. And they go to what the hut with no with no front or no doors no or something. Doors. Right. And, and that, yeah, uh, on the other side of the world, you know, with uh, with Geralt taking Siri to what is it? Care Morin. I think that's the name of the uh, the Witcher stronghold. And and yeah, you've got the uh, who is it? Eskel. Is that the guy's name who gets infected with the, the tree thing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Tree shaped like a claw. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, he so you've got this big showdown and you've got the uh, 
you know, the issues with, uh, I forget the Vesemir is the main, the main guy who, who trained Geralt and actually raised him. So, so yeah, now we heard about it coming into the season that we were going to see a lot more witchers. They're going to expand the witchers and, and kind of the idea of who the witchers are. And then they have to kill one of their own at the end of this. And then Vesemir hangs his medallion on that, you know, whatever that, that tree or, or I don't know, shrine of some sort. But yeah, like you're saying, Siri clearly wants to be trained. And everything I've heard from a lot of people is that Siri becomes, no surprise, a big badass moving forward. You could see it already, like Geralt's reluctant at first and realizes, yeah, I need to train her to be able to protect herself. And that's kind of where we leave off with them actually training. So um, yeah, very, uh, uh, like you said, a setup episode, expanding the lore, expanding the world. And, you know, we'll see where we end up from here. It's true. Volith, by the way, is the name of the elven queen that is looking to rebuild the elven nation. And at the end of that episode, that's the thing is, um, Yennefer is let go. Like she's on her own, uh, because Volith and, um, shoot. Now I'm going to forget her name as well. Cause I can't ever recall. Fringilla? Uh, yeah. Fringilla basically enter into sort of an uneasy alliance. Uh, to work together as it seems like the Elven Nation may be doing some outreach to our good friend and friends in Nilfgaard, good friends, uh, to to regroup because Fragilla's wish was basically to have the army to raise the rest of the world to the ground for for Nilfgaard. So, yeah, it's, it's not too hard to see where this is going to go. You. To me, it's just like how much, how long do Unifer, Geralt, and Siri stay apart before they're brought back together in some way, shape, or form? Like that's where this is going, right? Episode like, four, not, halfway through, like just a little over halfway through. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I love, I, I love the eight episode structure here because I, I do feel like it makes the pace of the show work very, very quickly. You don't have a lot of time to spend building everything however you have enough time to to build enough that matters and i especially think with season one be, being out there and doing so well this this is a nice way to get into season two and the action is just going to continue to quicken the pace still haven't seen the, re- the return of our good bard friend though and that makes me sad he's got to be popping up soon he's like later i know like if you scroll through the episodes you can see that he's oh, he in cheap. Well, just know. just looking at just like seeing okay, how many episodes are in his faces right there with Geralt in one of them. So you know he's coming. Uh, what is it, Yesker? Is that his name? Something or like Yasper that, yeah. or something like that. So yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you figure he's got to come back at some point in time. But uh, yeah, it's it's everything I hear about this season has been very positive. So I'm looking forward to seeing where we go. Um, uh, you know, with these last six episodes because it's it's going to be a fun ride. I can I can see that already. Netflix, don't fuck this up and cancel it. Please not. Please, God, no. I mean, there's too many people who love this show. And there's so much lore I, about it that, you know, well, next, next to the stuff that they've done on Wheel of Time on Amazon, <laughs> there's a lot of lore. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I the, the amount of investment that Netflix has gone into a supplemental lore pieces to, like, when you start an episode of The Witcher, there's a little icon to the lower right that you can highlight that's basically like lore of the Witcher. So they're going out of their way 
to invest in this property. I just can't see them making that go away. So we mentioned this. Ray is Ray started on season one. He's watched the first two episodes. Um, and you said that, you know, it's not a show, again, that you would have picked up and watched without suggestion from us, which is something you've shared about about bandwagoners in general. One of the things you've thanked us for on the show is that it's it's allowed us to kind of bounce new shows off of each other. Um, what have you seen so far that that that's impressed you, though, out of the, out of the two episodes that you have seen? Um, so first and foremost, what I remember is Henry Cavill's killing it as the rich witcher. I didn't realize the witcher was essentially a mutant. Yeah, basically. I thought he was just a dude. I didn't realize that that was kind of the origins of who he was. Also, remember, I'm just in the first two episodes. The the little girl is like really clever at the beginning. The little girl who works for the wizard or whatever it is that's hiding in the plain sight with the naked women picking berries and stuff. Uh, the little girl is pretty clever. Um, those are my first, my first two takeaways. Also, um, you can tell that the Witcher is a grump who's going to become like have a heart of gold by the end of this. Yeah, we're, we're already soft. We, you get strong. If you haven't caught on from just the, the first two episodes that Dave and I've covered big time, dad vibes, a lot yeah. of dad vibes. Yeah. Father figure. Um, uh, there's less of that in season one, but uh, by the end, when you start, when you get to the law surprise and, and some of these other things, what this series has done for me, guys, is it's uh, I'm at a point right now. I'm at a juncture where I'm looking for some books to read, and I, they, they've done enough with this series to make me be like, maybe I should go check out the books. Which is hmm, what the maybe you should play that game that you got for free all those years ago that you never bothered to do. Anything why would I do? Why would I do that when I can play a retrofitted Baldur's Gate on my PlayStation Four, man? Like, I've got a, I've got a paladin going through with his party in Cloakwood fighting wyverns. I don't need to go play some modern game with its newfangled timing and targeting systems. And give me my turn-based combat, goddammit. it, damn kid. Can I tell you how? Can I tell you how much I love the word newfangled? It just makes me so happy. Yeah. Ray, uh, so Ray, I will say, I will say that when you get to about episode four of season one of The Witcher, don't get lost because of the time jumps. Okay, just kind of, sure, sure, sure. just kind of roll yeah. with it because that it, it all makes sense in the end. But you got it, 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 it when I know, like when we were reviewing it the first time, that was the thing that we'd heard that, like, hey, wait a second, what the fuck just happened? Um, but yeah, it's it. They jump around a bit in season one, and if you just kind of like recognize that from the go, from the uh, jumping off point. It'll make a lot more sense to you. That's why I'm an episodic guy. And that's why I have to watch things in sequence because right. of stuff like that. Because if I were to just jump into something, I'd be like, okay, wait, wait a minute. Um, yeah, do want to the recap, put it all in chronological order, but. Oh, okay. Got you. Um, one more thing I do want to say. So what took me off of the Witcher and well, besides stuff yep. was uh, one of my best friends kind of, I don't want to say forced, but pushed me to watch another show that maybe you guys have heard of or watched called Hannah on Amazon Prime. Have oh, you yeah. Seen that? Based on the movie. Yeah. See, I didn't I'd never heard of the movie. Yeah. The, yeah. The movie. Yeah. that It's a it's an Amazon series based on a movie of the same name. No. Yeah. I mean, now that I know, I know because I finished the series. It's three. It's just it's three seasons. And like yep. it's like eight and, episodes, the first two and like six, the third. So it's like right in that wheelhouse. Um right. But that shit is wild. So, yeah, now my palate is ready for some witchery. 
Very nice. Very nice. I actually um, need to add that. I meant to watch it. Uh, when I when I think about shows that I'm looking to, like shows that I'm really behind on, I've got the, because I don't have Hulu and I'm a cheapskate and don't want to mm-hmm. add Hulu, uh, I'm going to be starting tonight just to get my, just to get a taste and see if I like it. The uh, first episode of the first season of um, Castle Rock, which was basically a Stephen King multiverse mm-hmm. based show. Uh, my friend he had a couple of shows on Hulu. Yeah. Um, he has the, uh, the no, seven forty eleven something. The, the, yes. The, that was the one about the JFK assassination and, and time travel. And I, um, I actually read the book and in watching the show, it pissed me off and I stopped watching it because the, in order to make it a series, they had to drastically off alter like the storyline and the plot mm. and things happened. And I just couldn't do it. I was just like, nope, I am not a fan. And Franco was in it, depending on how you feel about yes. him right now. That's another thing. I mean, at the time that I started watching it, you know, Franco was the man. That, the not, that news had not broken. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we did not talk about that. All right. What we are going to do, though, now is we are going to take our first commercial break and then get into what, like I said, will either be like the longest segment of the show or a relatively tight one. We'll just have to see is we're going to give our top 10, top 10 slash top five moments in nerddom when we come back. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 
Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back. Folks, I don't have a, a fancy end-of-the-year intro song, so maybe Dave takes care of it in post-production and this statement is silly, or maybe he doesn't and it stands up. I guess we'll have to wait and see on Monday when I hear the when they hear the actual recording drop. Dave's nodding. I can see him plotting. This is very exciting. Quite a year uh, in nerddom, if I if I do say so myself. And Ray actually is the one who dropped this idea, for, stemming kind of from a different idea. If I remember, you you dropped a video, yes. uh, and then we're like, would this be something we'd be interested in doing? And I remember being, I think, I remember being like, are you talking like ever, <laughs> like top ten moments in nerddom ever? Because holy shit, that's really hard. Or for the year, and Ray, you indicated that the year, Dave was like, I'm on board. I was like, that sounds like a reasonable list to, to, to come up with. And I do say I do say the, we have the benefit of the three of us uh, being here, because if it was all if, if all five of us had come, It'd be uh, a mess. We, we, we would have to do like part seven. Of the top ten moments of nerddom, like we, we'd be doing top ten moments of nerddom into like June, and it'd be like the NBA playoffs. It just wouldn't end. So I'm kind of glad that it, it is just the three of us. And, and you mentioned Ray that you only had five. Uh, before we get into process, we're gonna treat this like we do any other sort of list show. The the order is gonna be Dave, Ray, Patrick, and then Patrick, Ray, Dave, uh, like we would when we would do any of our uh, our projects. If we have a match or something we feel is kind of a match, let's go ahead and raise the hand and pause it uh, and kind of lump them in together. And I'll go first because I want to talk about my process in developing this list because I found moments to be hard. So my bullets are global in, in a lot of different senses. Like there are a lot of what I would argue are news items and not necessarily moments. But mm-hmm. I think they're all big moments uh, for the year in nerddom. And so, as I said, I preemptively booed myself because I didn't exactly follow the rules. And the audience is, oh, there they go again. They, they just, they aren't happy with it. But I, I really struggled with, like, 
that's a moment or that's a moment. And so I, I went with this and I hope you guys, I, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. Well, <laughs> explaining my process. Well, get ready to boo me then because my moments aren't really moments as much as just like things that we've observed or watched. Yes, please. So I'm, yeah, I'm throwing myself on the mercy of, of the court as well, because it's like, yeah, there's moments within the stuff that we watched, you know, but actually like isolating them is like really, really difficult. So I kind of just went in a more, took a more of a broader stroke to this whole thing than trying to pare it down to one. And there's a few places where I got specific stuff, but I just kind of took a broader approach to it. I did I basically did the same thing? Because, um, like you said, oh, moments are tough. <laughs> there it is. Bandwagon nerds, everyone gets booed. It's, it's it's news it's music to my ears because I get booed all the time. Um, but no, I had to kind of do the same thing because uh, especially well, I struggled. The reason I only had a top five because I struggled with full nerddom because nerddom is such a ever ever changing top like topic or, or or idea. So like there's some things I would put that I didn't know if they would fall as an under nerddom. So if you don't mind, what I'd like to do is. And I'll promise you, I'll be quick. While we do, while in between, while I have to wait for the five in between, I can I just throw out something that I would have put otherwise? Sure. And I'll make it real quick. I, I promise you it will. I'll, but I'll, it may uh, not fall. Okay. But yeah. Um, here's the other thing. Uh, I hear what you're saying, Ray. And I think that it's fair to say on this show, at this point, before we really get into this list, we're, I would argue that we're, like, we started as a niche show. And we still do a lot of, of niche stuff, mm-hmm. or niche, or however the hell you want to pronounce it. But we really have turned into an entertainment and pop culture podcast. Absolutely. Like at the end of the day, some of the things because what I what I did to make this list, and this is the benefit that I have, and I don't know what you guys do. I save all our rundowns, so I have a 2020, I have a 2021 folder of every rundown I've ever written for this podcast. And so I went back. I went back to January 3rd, I think, or whenever it was, and I started looking at the things that we covered. Because if I didn't, one, I knew that if I didn't, it would be a very December, November heavy list. And it still kind of is because some big shit happened in December and November. But as I kind of look back, like some of the things that we talked about were just big stories in entertainment that maybe, for example, the Ray Fisher story. Which isn't mm-hmm. on my list, but we talked about the Ray Fisher story for months because it was an ongoing thing and it was important. Uh, we talked about the Scarlett Johansson getting paid lawsuit. That's on my list. That was huge, and it, it, it had huge, far-reaching implications. Again, wasn't on my list because one of the other things I did try to do, um, for some reason, I wanted to just have a happy list, and 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 on some, and on some end of the list. Like, yeah, I'm happy for Scarlett Johansson because she fought for what was right for her and, and what she earned. Uh, and anybody who argues that can can just shove it and blow it out their ass. She earned what she did, what she got. Um, and she does absolutely deserved to go to court and fight that fight and create a result uh, for for streaming content uh, if it skips the theaters. And so good on her. Uh, but a lot of my stories, you know, I would say in the annals of like 
nerddom in general, maybe they don't hit and have far-reaching implications. Other ones I do think were, are, are far-reaching and big. And so I think uh, like between the three of us, this is going to be a good recap of 2021 in nerddom then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and, I, and I think pop culture in general, which is really what I was getting getting at, pop culture and entertainment, because a couple of my bullets are definitely big stories in the entertainment industry. They're not just big because we were nerds. So with that set up, Dave, I drew you first. I also, fa- I, I'm not going to lie. I totally manipulated the order this time around. And no matter wh- who was on the show, you and I were going to bookend the list uh, because I said so. That's you cool. know, I wrote the- So it wasn't anybody to know. Um, but why don't we start with you and you give us your number 10 moment slash event in nerddom. All right. Uh, my number 10 moment uh, nerddom this year is uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series coming to Amazon and actually being very good, except for the last episode was a little bit of a letdown. But I watched it. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. So I won't spoil it for you. But I, they, you know, I know this has gotten some mixed reviews from a lot of the fans because of the deviation from the source material, and that's fine. But, you know, God forbid this we deviate. Mrs. O'Dowd hates hate watches this show <laughs> because she's, re, she's like she's rereading the books right now, and it's just reinforcing like the this isn't how it was part of it. Has but she no, seen? The, has she seen the last episode? Oh yes. Oh, she. Oh, despi- yes. she I'm like, sure she despises it. Very much so. She like I'm gonna watch it tonight after the little O'Dowd goes to bed. And I'm like, you gonna watch Wheel of Time with me tonight? And she was like. Yes, <laughs> but you need to know this is what's going to happen. It has been so. it has been a very enjoyable series. I mean, it is there. The, my biggest thing about it is the complaints or the comparisons to Lord of the Rings are very apt because like the last episode, yeah. it's like I'm like, are they walking through Mordor? You know, when they're in the ways, I'm like, that's Mordor they're walking through. So but the fact that they they are at least trying to bring this ridiculously expansive book series and doing it justice on Amazon and getting pretty good critical reviews. I mean, it is not the easiest of things to follow, but I greatly enjoyed it. The last episode, notwithstanding, I really hope that we get to see the second season come to fruition because the way it ends is like, okay, yeah, there's some, there's some shit that's going to go down. But uh, I thought that was a big, big moment to bring a series like that, to put, you know, to give Amazon prime something other than the boys that they could really latch onto and say, Hey, look now there's, and it, it gives you hope for the Lord of the Rings series because you say, well, it's not going to be that far removed from this. Um, but for me, that was the number 10 moment in nerddom this year was wheel of time coming to Amazon prime. And for the most part succeeding. Cool. Ray, when do you want to do your like interjection? I'll put them in the middle right now. I just, instead of saying my number 10, honorable mention number one. Okay. This is your favorite thing in these lists, honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, Britney Spears is free. Oh, yeah. It's, we don't even have to talk deep about it, but the fact that a grown woman who's made over $100 million was, because of mental health, was not allowed to even live her life. She couldn't choose to have a baby. She couldn't choose to go to a place. She couldn't choose to get married without asking a conservator to allow her to do these things. The fact that she's free, I think, is not only huge for her, but huge for women's rights in general and people's rights and 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 um, people who are disabled or mentally ill, just rights in general. 
shout out to Brittany. I'm I'm so happy she's free. Live your life. You want to be crazy, be crazy. You got the freedom to do it now. Excellent. And so from that to a little movie that showed up in December on HBO Max starring Neil Patrick Harris called 8-Bit Christmas dropped. And, you know, Dave saw it first. So credit where credit's due. Dave saw it first and, and kind of raved about this movie. And I, I knew I wanted to see it. I knew I was definitely interested in it. But that movie, if you were a child of the 80s, like that movie is everything that I remember. From wanting a Nintendo Entertainment System to the Billy Ripken error card, which was coveted amongst children. You know about the Billy Ripken error card, right, Ray? Have you heard about this? I have heard about it. Yes, you you mentioned it to me when you're talking about the movie at first. Yes, yes, one of the one of the most right up there with the Mark McGuire white triangle card that Tops put out, like which really didn't turn out to be worth nearly as much as the fuckface card did. And the reason the fuckface card was worth so much is because it kept redoing corrections. So like, there's variants of the variant um, that that you could get out there and get. To it was just. And and at the end of the at the end of the movie, it's a I I still argue it's a retelling of a Christmas story with a nice sort of sentimental touch at the end between the Neil Patrick Harris character and his father. Um, and it was great. It was beautiful. I remember watching it with my kid. I remember when the big swerve happens and I'm like tearing up and my kid's like, what what happened? And I'm like, his dad's dead. And like you, you kind of get where the story's going. It's so good, and was a very pleasant surprise this holiday season. I cannot I, agree with you anymore that this was. Right. It was a, such a pleasant surprise because it is Christmas story with like I said, Christmas story with the Princess Bride thrown in the storytelling element. A bit, yeah, and uh, it just was so good. But they, but like I said when I when we talked about it, they didn't they didn't go full Christmas story. There is no payoff, you know. There is a payoff, but he earns it himself. It's a different payoff. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, it's just not the payoff. Like the the movie sets you up to be like, when's he going to get this stupid Nintendo? And they even they even do the Christmas story ending where he's like, go do something in the backyard, and you think, well, maybe the Nintendo is going to be like, nope, nope, it's a treehouse that his father built for him. It's great, and it means more than the right. Nintendo because it's him and his dad. Exactly. So my number nine, this one should come as no surprise. It's the return of the Masters of the Universe to the world of entertainment. Nice. And not one, but two different shows on Netflix. You have Kevin Smith's, like, quote-unquote sequel to the 80s cartoon uh, that I think is really, really good. And dude bros all over the world need to get over themselves that the protagonist with the penis isn't the only protagonist that matters in the show. Get over yourselves. You're a piece of shit if you think that. But then they've also introduced this new sort of reboot show for a younger audience to kind of fall in love with the characters in a completely different way. It's a completely different retelling. And it's funny that the little doubt we haven't started watching this series yet together because now the Nintendo Switch has taken over new games. But between the two series, he was like, Masters of the Universe Revelations, like, sure, that's epic, but this looks more interesting to me. And I think it's a really clever thing for Netflix to do. And I wonder 
if they're not trying to get the rights to the original cartoon to be able to put it up there as something for people to watch for nostalgia's sake, for the record, it's a shitty cartoon. For the record, I still love it and will watch the crap out of it when it ever comes back. I got, I got those things on fucking DVD, so I'm going to watch them. But that was my number nine. So many of our cartoons were shitty when we were kids in the 80s and 90s. Oh, God. And so, like, who cares? It, it's, it's good to us. Um, I went on and did a 10, so you might as well call it my number nine. All right, you're number nine. Um, and I, to for to be so, we don't. I don't make this too heavy. I only have one more real world moment, sure. and that is uh, Harry and Meghan leaving the throne. Okay. I think that is, you know, I know we're not a monarchy here, um, but to have the grandson of the queen leave the throne and it turn out like abdicate all everything that he has of his throne and basically coming down to the fact that it's because his wife was black and he she wasn't accepted it's crazy and i think living in the world we live in there's no more microcosm of the world we live in than one of the most loved human beings in the world having to leave his royal family because he fell in love with the wrong woman so i that that's to my knowledge i don't think it's ever happened in the history of the throne so yeah, uh, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that is. I mean, you, when you think about the England and the history of of the monarchy there, wow, that's a yeah, that's 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 great call there, Ray. Um, my number nine is the insanity that was season three of Doom Patrol. So I, I mean, okay, because I you know it, I didn't I don't think any of us dug it quite as much as season one or two, but season three was just completely off the rails in a lot of places and very enjoyable and especially you know the the last few episodes and uh i mean all i gotta say is doom force i mean really beyond that what what else can you say doom force for the win so yeah i love i still you know i i love the fact that this year i got caught up with doom patrol and got to do season three you know as on episodic basis like we did with you guys um, because the show was one of those ones that we talked about it for even last year. We've been talking about doing Doom Patrol. And so when that season came out, I'm really looking forward to season four. Greatly enjoyed season three and all the craziness, you know, the afterlife scenes. Rita Farr kind of really becoming a, a central focus. Huh? Rita Farr. Yeah, Rita Farr. Yeah, you, can't, um, you, can't, you can't say Rita Farr. You got to drop that old time. Yeah, I got to add the snobbish kind of British sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I love Doom Patrol. So that season three got my number nine. All right. What's your number eight? So my number eight is uh, is Ray and Christopher Platt's favorite aspect of the show the past couple of months. And that is season two yes, of Lock the and Key. Of the That's right. Yes. I, I, I mean, again, a show that I don't know if I could say season one or season two was as good as season one, but it was different. And everybody kind of got more mature and it got darker and it got, you know, they dealt with more, I think, this, the spider in the house scene. If I'm looking for a moment within the season, the, se- the season that really kind of stood out to me when the, sp- the giant spider attacks everybody because they, they use the dollhouse key, uh, that's got to be one of the big moments of the year for me. I know it's Ray's favorite show. One day I'll actually watch it. Love but it. I, I, I really, I enjoyed season two. I mean, and I think the biggest thing is, it's as good as season, you know, maybe not as good as season one, but it's right up there. But the fact that, okay, we got this second season that kind of came 
dropped on us out of nowhere. Like we're talking about as the year went on, or, you know, were you going to get a season, second season of lock and key? Then all of a sudden they drop a trailer on us and say, Oh, by the way, this is coming out in like a month and a half. We're like, wait, what? Um, so I think that was a cool, really cool moment about season two it was like, we didn't really see it coming. We were hoping. And then the next thing you know, it was here and it was a solid second season. So I got lock and key season two as my number eight. Love Lock and Key season two. Happy to see that they're on um, and currently in production to season three. We make jokes about Netflix series all the time. And so to see it, to see it getting another, another run in another season uh, was good news for all of us. So right there with you. I agree. 1000%. You know, they have electronic keyless locks now for the record. All right. You're funny. These are magic keys though. I mean, but, I mean, as we learned in MCU, magic is just science we don't understand yet. Fair enough. Look at you going all the way back to Thor number one. What's up, baby? I, I remember. I remember. Um, going back to the MCU, my number eight is Isaiah Bradley. Um, nothing affected me more in the comic worlds this year, on screen at least, than the the, the debut and the um, introduction of Isaiah Bradley and his story to the I've, world proper. I've kind of got this a little higher up, but okay. sort of no, no. in a different we'll way. It's it like we're saying, Patrick was saying earlier, raise your hand. If it's kind of touching on the fringes, it does. Yeah. So. so shout out to Isaiah Bradley. We'll talk about you a little later. All right. So my number eight, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make it even worse for y'all when I, when I get to something higher on my list, but my number eight, uh, Dune pays off. Now, there was a big risk taken by Mr. Villanueva by filming part one of Dune and only filming part one of Dune and hoping that the success of this epic novel by Frank Herbert would not only work, but would work in theaters and streaming. And, and there was, you know, obviously there was the big notable fight between him, Warner Brothers, and HBO, and and I can't remember the which uh, which is the the sort of the lesser production company that was a part of the making of Doom, um, that Dune that that was really trying to to step up and be like, no, this should be a theater only. Was it legendary? It wasn't legendary. Might have been legendary. Might've... I think it, it uh, um, I can't remember which company it was, but what I will say is that ultimately that movie did extremely well. It was a fine, fine film, and it parlayed itself into being able to shoot the second half and to know that we are going to get a complete first story. Uh, it is a movie that I think was built for cinema. It was built for the movie theater. I went and saw it in the theater and it was just gorgeously shot and, and needed to be there and still told a, an amazing story. Timothy Chalamet is a star and there's no question that he is going to be a star for years and years to come. He he is the the sole reason that I added a movie called The King on Netflix. It's just because he's the he's the lead. I'm like, well, if he's the lead, it's got to be good, or I, I have faith that it, at least his performance will be good. So we're gonna take take a look at that. But Dune paying off in a big big way for for our, yeah, Legendary I do believe and Warner Brothers, uh, and and Dennis Villanueva is is my number eight. Yeah, good yeah. call. Dune was on my honorable mention, like stuff I was looking at. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the movie. You know, from our nerd review, it wasn't, I didn't review it as highly as you did. But I, I 
adamantly think that once the second part comes out, it's going to the as a whole, it's going to be a tremendous sprawling epic when it's all done. Agreed. All right, you guys ready to have your minds blown with my number seven and be able to stay higher on my list? Here you go. Warner Brothers and DC, in conjunction with HBO Max, released the Snyder Cut. That's higher. Because <laughs> you guys like shitty movies. Anyway, Ray, you're number seven. Can I say I'm proud of you? I, I am, I am proud of you too, Patrick. Way to not way to be unbiased and non fanboyish. Excellent. This is why I give the best nerd reviews because I am unbiased and not fanboyish. I am. Did honest. you notice that Greg's math was a little bit off this week on Spider Man No Way Home? It's like, wait, I gave it a five. Patrick gives it a four point nine six. How's that a four point six eight? But <laughs> because I, because I it, it's not Greg's math; it's Patrick's math. Patrick forgot to do that part when he turned oh, it in. Oh, I see. All right, so, so I, I, I retract that. Full full disclosure about this week's edition of the Nerd Review, which, by the way, we got to figure out when we're going to write two more of these fucking things this week, and do a chair shot radio somewhere. We got some work to do. Um, maybe we ask for a week off on chair shot radio. Um, but I may have gone out Wednesday evening and imbibed some some beverages of the mm. alcoholic persuasion. Those thus resulting in having to write the nerd review the following morning. And I was, I, I got it done and was like, okay, I need to get this into Greg. I just forgot to do the math. So that's my fault. My 4.9, whatever, and your 5.0 definitely did not result in a 4.68. And thank you, editors, for catching it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Ray, you're number yes. seven. I believe my number seven will be the retirement of what may end up being the best James Bond we've ever seen. Daniel you correct. Um, you know, I say I said a lot on the show that I think the only property that has that can rival the MCU in terms of connective tissue over more than three films is Star Wars. I completely forgot about James Bond. And uh, I know that there's different people and there's the country, not the controversy, but the question is 007 James Bond a code name or is it their real name and so on and so forth. But with respect to Sean Connery, who probably is the one everybody thinks of and Roger Craig and Pierce Brosnan. And I know there's somebody else I think that played it or whatever. Timothy Daniel Craig Dalton. has Timothy, Timothy Dalton. Dalton. Thank you. Come on, hey, man. man. I'm, I'm, I'm Miles bro. Calder, baby. I'm 33, bro. My bad. <laughs> um, but yes, yes, I knew it was one more. Uh, but five films. And you two may think differently, but five excellent films. I haven't seen No Time to Die yet, so I'm assuming it's good. But four excellent ones, and I'm sure one-fifth. One fifth. But also, James Bond became, I think, more in the populace than it's been in a long time because of um, your boy Daniel Craig not wanting to really do it, being coerced to do it because they, threw him, they gave him a bag of epic proportions. The will-he-won't-he he of giving it to... Uh, Idris Elba, so many things this for, and so on and so forth. But James Bond is one of is, while he's British and he's in my six, is an American institution, is a film institution, and whenever someone that legendary on um, that legendary run retires, I think it deserves some type of recognition. So go well into the bright future, Mr. Craig, and 
continue to do whatever else you want to do now. Nice, Rico. I'll admit, I've seen one Daniel Craig-led James Bond movie. Which one was it? Uh, the first one he did, Casino Royale. Okay, that was good. It wasn't the best one of the group, but it's, it was good. I, I'm not a big James Bond guy. Like, Fair. like Fair. I'm not a big spy movie guy. Like, honestly, I think maybe because I wouldn't even count like the Bourne movies, like the Jason Bourne movies. Like, they're kind of like they're spy movies, but they're not. Um, they're spy movies, but it's but he's he's not but working not. for the organization. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it's it, yeah. So I was never like my mom used to love the old James Bond movies. She was a Roger Moore fan. Live and Let Die is my favorite James James Bond movie because my mom loved Live and Let Die. Like that was my favorite. Daniel Craig from all, everything I've ever heard was a terrific James Bond and really put his own stamp on these movies. Yep. Uh, and, and created a great legacy. But uh, yeah, I was never I never really watched him, so it's it was tough for me to to give an assessment. I wanted to try and watch them because they are all streaming now yes. in various platforms to try and like catch them but i just haven't again it's just one of those things like how when do you get to it yeah i tend to be like you patrick i'm not the biggest james bond fan but every time i watch a james bond movie i enjoy it so maybe that's something to focus on in the future is like okay i gotta get caught up with all this stuff it will be rebooted so there will be another james bond so well, it's it's never just it's never really rebooted it's just continued in some way shape or form like As, it, yes. it, it's like a, it's like a soft reboot is the way to do it. Cause like you can watch any James Bond movie without having had to have watched other James Bond movies. Like yes. there's really no sequence to it. Dave, you're new not- James, new M new court. Yeah. All of that. So my number seven kind of ties in. You mentioned the, uh, <laughs> I'll say this for the first six months of 2021, I heard the familiar refrain from Ray cash every single time, just released the damn movie already. Yes. And we finally got Black Widow in July. So thank you. I've got the release of Black Widow finally at my number seven, which does tie into the Scarlett Johansson thing that you mentioned earlier, Pat. But I thought, you know, this was the first full length live action feature of phase four. And, you know, whatever you think about the movie, whether, you know, it, it told a story that really didn't need to be tell, told or it told a story that absolutely need to be told. And I think, you know, I would go with the latter, especially, you know, talking about some of the stuff that's happened in Hawkeye. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a very solid movie. It gave some much needed backstory on Natasha and it adds an emotional element to a lot of things that we've seen later on in this year, having that story told and, and getting to know her a little bit better and her relationship with her sister. Uh, just the fact that it finally, I mean, they pushed that thing out so many times to the point that, yeah, Ray and all of us were like, just release the damn thing already. Finally yes. got to see it come to fruition, and it was a very, very good movie. So, yeah, the release of Black Widow, finally, is my number seven. If for no other reason than it gave us Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova, and really, I I think she's a superstar. You know, we were talking about Timothy Chalamet earlier. She's a superstar in her own right, too. And, I mean, she is killing it as that character. Give me a Kate Bishop, Yelena Belova team-up movie, because those two, those two have some on fire chemistry yep. together like every time they're on the screen together at the same time it was gold yeah. so before absolutely. you before you finish i just want to because i was going to talk about the marvel scar joe thing but i, I replaced it on my list the list is fluid if you watch first take it's fluid um i just want to say this movie and the subsequent um 
lawsuit is probably one of the most important things that happened all year because it set a precedent for how people are going to get paid in, in the world of streaming. So I don't want to let that fall into the wayside. I don't know if you have it on your list, Patrick. I took it off mine. So you talked about I, Black I, Widow. I, I, thought, I thought about it and took it off as well. Yeah. Well, I do have something along the lines of that coming up later. It's kind okay. of integral to this topic because if Black Widow bombs, then you're not even talking about the ScarJo lawsuit. Facts. But because it did better than than we thought and it, and it did better in a way that people didn't anticipate it created the necessity for that lawsuit. So yeah, they're kind of all tied in together. Um, so my number six, so yes, my number six kind of, you know, Ray talked about Isaiah Bradley earlier and I kind of, this is a little bit of a cheat, but I lumped those early MCU series together at number six, WandaVision. What's yeah, up? I got, okay. I got WandaVision. Higher. All right. We'll, we'll talk about it later then. So that brings it to you, Ray, with the, with the number six for you and your fluid list. See Mu Liu and the introduction of Shang-Chi and the movie to the Marvel Universe That's and higher. the universe proper. That's higher gotcha. on mine. Here on Dave's list. So we just mentioned this before. I My number six, I think um, we'll talk about later whenever we get to it on everybody's list. But I wrote the Marvel Cinematic Universe enters the streaming series fray you could do a year in review list of of just mcu streaming series and for me it was just too broad so i actually lump those five shows as a, as a talking point so when we get to wherever ray gets to wandavision on his list okay. i'll just i'll make my comment about the mcu okay my number five uh is dc fandom surprising in year two hmm. uh I think a lot of us, Dave, Dave, on this show, Ray, we were skeptical of what DC Fandom was going to be in its second year uh, and whether or not it was going to be to the extent that it was in its first year. And it wasn't. It wasn't as big. It, it cut its runtime in half uh, from, I think it was seven hours or eight hours. Sorry, it was eight hours to four hours. Uh, but it still delivered. It still gave us most notably a, a, a true trailer for the Batman. And I think that was the big one. But the other one that really kind of stole the show out of DC fandom this year was Shazam and Black Adam. We got The Rock and all the revelations of characters that were going to be revealed. They made that event, which I thought would feel smaller, still feel important. And that, I thought, deserved every bit of recognition and and got what it deserved and was uh, was a successful second go around with DC fandom. So that was my number five. Great pick. See, Great I do pick. not hate DC, everyone. Great pick. It was fantastic. I I think yeah. you're underselling. I think it was absolutely fantastic. Well, it was the fandom was one of the main reasons I gave DC that point on the convention. Boom. Thing. So yeah, even though you guys overruled me, but that's okay. We didn't overrule you. You're, you're outvoted vote. me. Yeah, we just outvoted you. One Ray, year of fandom isn't better than seven, eight years of all age. I'm just saying. Ray, so, you're number Ray, five. <laughs> my number five is the phenomenon known as Squid Game. I haven't watched it yet. Me neither. It's, it's I want to. I really do. It's on my. It's on my. Man, there's some look. things I still gotta watch. And not just that, but a little. So, so I won't talk about the show since you haven't seen it. But I will talk about the, the kind of the sub, point. Of text is. The, is the the overwhelming acceptance of non-traditional American English storytelling. 
This was a Korean show in Korean by all Korean actors. There was no English spoken at all. And it still is the most highest watched show in the history of Netflix. Parasite won the best actor, best um, Oscar last year. Yeah. Best picture. You, so like, you know, and I, I, I'm one of those people who gets frustrated reading subtitles because it doesn't let me focus on the show. But even I was like, I don't give a fuck. This shit is good. And I think that that is, as we hopefully in 2021 going to 2022 and further, finally get to a point where we can just accept all cultures and situations equally. Squid Game did so much because I know people who wouldn't even talk to Korean people. No exaggeration. And they're watching Squid Game, dressing up as Squid Game and whatnot. So shout out to Squid Game. And when you guys watch it, we need to talk about it. It's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I look forward to seeing it. It looks like it's right up my alley. Like it's worth I, it. I promise horror, you. It's horror, horror with it's horror, but horror with a reflection on our world. Mm-hmm. And those are always that's always the best sort of horror. Dave, you're number five, sir. Well, my five is is it's. I think we're going to table this because you're going to talk all the MCU series at once. But it it's Hawkeye and specifically what Hawkeye did as far as a paradigm shift. Yeah. So Ray's yeah. got it higher. Uh, I have specifically Hawkeye higher. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I separated it from the other ones myself. Uh, yeah. Number four, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's, I got it right on four too. Great minds. Yeah. So now we're talking. We're now talking four. I mean, here's the thing: is this version of Justice League. And I know Pat, you don't necessarily agree with this, but I think Ray and I, and I know Tunney was of the opinion. I mean, Tunney was of the opinion so much that he had Zack Snyder's Justice League better than No Way Home, which I don't agree with. But mm-hmm. um the fact is that this movie is ten times superior to the original one and just did everything better than the original one and gave the fans more of the movie that they wanted. To the point that there's, you know, this grassroots movement to restore the Snyder, which isn't really grassroots anymore. There's a lot of people out there who want to restore the <laughs> Snyderverse. I know Patrick would rather <laughs> shoot himself in the face. But um, uh, they really pulled off something with this movie that 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 kind of gives you a glimpse as to what might have been with the DC universe if, if they'd actually wanted to do anything remotely resembling a continuity. And we know that they're moving away from that now and that's fine. They want to be different, but I, it was just such an impressive thing to watch the justice league vision portrayed in a way that made sense and gave some fan service back to the fans who really are as passionate about that property as a lot of us are uh, it was a tremendous achievement. I mean, four hours flew by. Absolutely loved the movie. Didn't think it was possible that they could actually really pull this off and make it seem like a, a I mean, it really felt like a brand new movie. And mm-hmm. and I didn't think that was really possible. I thought it was all bullshit. And I mean, I still listen back to our old episodes when we're talking about the Zack Snyder cut and spec, you know, our skepticism that they could do with this. I think they vastly exceeded it. The stuff they did with Flash and Cyborg and really fleshing those characters out was fantastic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a... It, it, no, it's not as good as No Way Home. Not even close. But as far as what DC did this year, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anything that DC did that was rem- better than this this year. Completely agree. And I always said, regardless of how you feel about the characters or the, per- the director or the movie in general, Every director deserves this opportunity 
within reason to have their visions shown, right? And the fact that this man had to leave because of circumstances against his own will and his movie was completely destroyed and changed was not fair to him. And things happen, right? By luck and a very vocal minority were wrestling fans. We understand that. He got a chance to do it. There was a win-win situation for DC. They made they made good with him, look good now as the fans, got some extra stuff they could put on um, HBO Max, and subscriptions went up super high for that. But also, talk about the fact that you completely redeemed Cyborg, who was basically nothing in that first movie. You completely made Flash look great again, and gave a hint for the Flashpoint movie because he had to go back in time because they lost. You completely made Henry Cavill look like the man in the black suit. You gave us Martian Manhunter. There's so much. They even redeemed Steppenwolf. They even redeemed Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. We got a chance to see Darkseid and shout out to Granny Goodness. Like so much was in this movie that you, in the nightmare scene, they, they redeemed Jared Leto's Joker. Like, so much so it's 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 not the greatest movie ever made it's not the greatest dc movie ever made but it definitely was maybe the best dc thing done all year and deserves to be on this list and i'm happy for zach that he finally got that off out of his conscience because now i know every time he thought about that movie he thought of his daughter now he can be happy about it okay (laughs) here's why this is on this list because it wasn't supposed to be on this list and it wasn't supposed to be on HBO Max. This was a movie that was long thought to be dead. Dave, you talked about previous episodes where we joked about the Snyder Cut and that it was this weird urban legend. And honestly, it took a pandemic and some time for the Snyder Cut to actually hit. I agree 1,000% that this movie is better than the Joss Whedon Justice League. That bar is not a high bar. I I stand by my assessment of this movie being long, boring, slow motion, over the top, done, overwrought. And while, yes, better and not the worst movie going experience, like it's better than Rise of Skywalker, but boy, like I, I'd never have liked the movie, so I'm not going to rag on it too hard. But this did show one of the few times where a fan movement paid off in a huge, huge way. Um, for that fan base, because you guys are those fans. Like I'm, I'm also not those fans. Like you guys, like, like I'm sorry, you, you, you gush over it to the point of almost hyperbolic, um, just how much you, you think. Like, because it was a decided improvement over the original film, and what it does is, it, it's, it's, people were so disappointed in that, in that Joss Whedon play that this movie feels better then I think if you had this four-hour monstrosity standing on its own with no with no Joss Whedon cut to compare it to, people are going to be harder on it. I think, we're, I think we're easier on it for the circumstances under which it was released um, and because you have tangible evidence that uh, it was better than its predecessor. So, but it was an achievement. And it was huge for HBO Max because that was one of the earlier films that was put out at the beginning of the year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. March, that, March. It generated subscribers to HBO Max. Right. And, but, and, and, and it, there's no, and that and Wonder Woman 1984, yeah. both of which 
generated subscriptions for HBO Max in a big, big way when they're when they were trying to get their feet off the uh, off the ground, and and so it's it's a touchstone and a monumental moment because I think I feel that it's one of the few times. Right, so oddly enough, here's the other comp: Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog was changed by fan interaction and fans voicing their displeasure because that original rendering was horrific and people were like we will not stand for this fans pushed and pushed and pushed and made their voices known and heard and it's one of the few times where it worked and kudos for dc warner brothers Zack snyder and everyone involved with bringing it out there because that that payoff was worth it to them and it was a better movie so i can't argue that i i can't put it out even though i dislike the movie Less than I dislike the Whedon cut, but still, I mean, my feelings are, are about Zack Snyder are also well known too. So, wait, okay. I'm not sure. What are your feelings about Zack? I, 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 I need a refresher. We don't have time. Yeah, we don't have time. Anyway, why, why, don't you, why don't you move to your number four, Pat? <laughs> my number four is the San Diego Comic Con returning to in-person convention this year, uh, and, and being a big step and, and you're going to see this in a theme because it's going to mirror my number one. It told me that some of these institutions are going to continue to survive and move forward despite the the adversity that they faced in the last two years and will likely face again this summer uh, as we as we look at this, you know, this pandemic and this Omicron variant. But I think one of the things that is very important about San Diego Comic-Con and it was still smaller Unlike other cons, there's a magic to it with the with with the audience there, with people being in place for panels. And, you know, whether you think it was a dirty cash grab or what, um, it's important. And I, I just think I felt like it was I felt it was important enough to put down uh, on this list as a, as a big deal, because it's the convention it's the convention for this podcast like and and even with all these other sort of announcements and cons that exist now san diego is still special and i think it will always be special even if it's diminished or what it's done in this past year because the entertainment companies have kind of pulled out of it it's more about comics and for the first time in a long time san diego comic-con felt like a comic con and that was important too. And they hybrid it. So if you didn't feel comfortable going, you could still stream panels. Thought it was great. I thought it was a good decision, even if there wasn't too too much that we were we had our minds blown over with San Diego. So San Diego returning to an in person convention gets my number four. Yeah, step in the right direction. No Hall H experience, but it, movement right. in the right direction. I think Hall H is dead. Um, Probably Hall H as we know it is dead because. Disney, Marvel, DC, Warner Brothers, they all have their own platforms to, to kind of reveal their own stuff. So that that was that was it. My number three, Warner Brothers and HBO Max reach an agreement to release one new flick every year for 2021. Now there were some lawsuits involved. There were a lot of things that got in the way, uh, got in the way, but we got a ton of films in our homes at a time when we couldn't leave our homes. And it started with Wonder Woman 1984 uh, and went through 
all kinds of versus, versus Kong, Kong. yeah, Snyder, Snyder Cut. Um, which is more, the if we don't have that, yeah, right. Yeah, more Dune. recently, yeah, Dune, Dune. more Matrix. recently, we had King, the Matrix and King Richard. It's, it's been some like heavy hitters, so, you're right. This was, and this, this decision was the first out of the streaming platforms and others then followed suit after Netflix announcing they were going to have an original something every week for 52 weeks. Disney plus doing that stupid ass pay to play, but you still had an opportunity and yet they still released some movies without you having to pay to play. For example, soul released on Christmas day. Um, and then the uh, Luca was the mm-hmm. other one the released. He just released it. But you know they they introduced that well, that premium thing with Ryan the Last Dragon, Black Widow. You had to you had to pay, but you could see those movies in, in the comfort of your own home without having to go to a theater. When people were really, you know, at the time, and, and communities and, and states were making that very difficult to do and restricting it. So WB or yeah, Warner Brothers and HBO Max taking the first step, and others following suit was my number three. Very good. Very Excellent good. Um, my number three, and I know we're going to talk about the MCU shows later, but I want to take a second to talk about the redemption of Hawkeye. Now, I know I'm I'm the one who should be talking about this because I'm the Hawkeye fan here, but I think it's important to note because if we're looking at the MCU in totality, there are six OG Avengers, and there's one of them everybody jolts about shouldn't that shouldn't be there. The most, the least deserving Avenger. He's the butt of all the jokes. He's just a guy that shoots a bow and arrow. And I think that Black Widow, the movie, and then going into his own show, Hawkeye, showed the importance of him as an Avenger and truly what his 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 what he brings to the table. But far more than just shooting some arrows, his time as Ronan showed us that. And I think I've mentioned this to you both uh, privately, is that when he when he is motivated, he is as dangerous as anybody out there. He's just never motivated to kill except for when he was Ronin. But another thing that, that I just, I read today, he was supposed to kill Black Widow. He didn't brought her in. She's an Avenger. He was supposed to kill Thor. Did it brought him in. Thor is an Avenger. The one fight he didn't fight the battle of Wakanda, they lose. And I know these are all just, you know, jokes and equivalents, but he is massively important to the Avengers populace and the MCU as a whole. And I think finally he was put in a light where people could appreciate him, not just because they read the comics or they're a fan of the character, but because of what Marvel showed them on their screens. And I'm very happy for him and happy for um, Kate too, going forward with the young Avengers now probably going to come up. Um, But it was very important. I think to make Hawkeye, if, if not the equivalent of the other major Avengers and whatnot, at least important enough to the people watching at home, because clearly he ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I I mean, so, so we, we got stuff to talk about with when you get to the MCU thing, but I mean, I know that was specific to the Hawkeye character, Ray, so I, yeah. get, I get what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah. We can we can talk more later on, yeah, but then I, was, I also want, because Black Widow is the first one that brought into us, it showed us it answered all those questions from the first Avengers movie, it answered all those questions and the jokes that we've seen, we find out who Drakov's daughter was. We find out what happened in Budapest. All these things and whatnot. So, yeah. Dave, you're number three. So my number three is uh, Shang-Chi and everything tied to Shang-Chi. 
and the fact that it's a cinematic achievement on multiple fronts. I mean, you're talking about a predominantly all Asian cast and you know, the, the comparisons to black Panther are probably appropriate because you know, yeah, it's same, completely. same sort of thing. The bigger thing about Shang-Chi, if, if you recall, this movie came out when we were going through probably what the Delta surge, I think the first time the Delta surge really took off and there yep. was great concern that nobody was going to show up for this movie and what that would mean to stuff like Eternals and Spider-Man No Way Home. And you got the exact opposite. So Shang-Chi delivered in every way possible. It's a cinematic achievement. It's a tremendous, excellent movie uh, that went, it, that introduced us to a new character, a new Avenger, that a lot of us really weren't anticipating. And it did gangbusters at the box office, which galvanized the box office for the rest of 2021 to say, hey, we can put our foot back on the gas and move forward with this thing because, look, people aren't getting scared away. They're still going to show up to stuff that they want to see. And I think, you know, we talked about it at the time, had Shang-Chi bombed. Oh, don't don't go too far on that path because you're stepping on my number one. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go too far. But I, I will say just Shang-Chi. Talk about Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang-Chi is a cinematic achievement and an excellent movie and and one of the best you know, you're looking at, you know, we're talking a lot about phase four of the MCU, obviously, in this discussion, um, you know, on the heels of Black Widow and then this movie coming out and kind of introducing a, a newer element to the MCU. Uh, it was I I was not sure how good it was going to be, and it was much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, very enjoyable. The cast is phenomenal. Love Shang-Chi and, and just what. What it meant to the industry as a whole, I think, can't be understated. I'm going to say this one time for the kids in the back. Stop doubting Kevin Feige. Just stop. Like, Can we get applause for, for that? Stop getting hung up on Kevin Feige. <laughs> Not pulling shit up. At this point, the record is the record. And I'm done like doubting it. Like, even The Eternals, which is, like, the quote-unquote bad movie of Phase 4. Like, it's not a bad movie. It's fantastic. It was just completely different from what you guys all came to, like, what people came to expect out of a a superhero movie. And so critics had trouble swallowing it. But go back and watch that movie for what it is. But I don't I don't get it anymore. Like, I don't get I'm not sure about this from, from anybody when it comes to the MCU at this point. They have they have proven time and time again they don't lay eggs. Well, I want to say this real quick. I know you didn't want Dave to step on your point, but I'm about to Rhea Ripley and A Town stomp on that thing. Shang Chi would have made a billion dollars if we weren't in the middle of the worst part of the pandemic in the theaters. Well, that doesn't that doesn't stop on my my. I point. Just, I just I just wanted to, to say that. I thought you, that was you and your billion, you and your billion dollars. That's a nice <laughs> shout back though from a previous episode. I Black remember. Widow would have been a billion dollar movie and right. Shang Chi, but again. I get that how things are and, and trepidation and believing that, but three, over $300 million in the midst of, I mean, I know now we're going to Omicron, but at the midst, the worst part of the pandemic. So mil? again, now I am going to ask you to hold that. Dave, okay. you're number two. I'm willing to bet we're finally into MCU shows. Yes. Uh, actually, no, because my, oh. my number two, is the greatest animated series I have ever seen, and that is Invincible, which came out in 2021. Okay. And okay. I mean, this thing blew me away because 
I'd read enough of the comics to say, okay, I really want to see what they can do with this thing. But my Lord, that first episode, which you think I have never seen this animated scene as bloody as that until you get to the last episode and you're like, Oh shit, they just upped the ante. Um, it is, it is such a tremendous, you know, you, you say, Pat, don't doubt Kevin Feige. People who doubt like the storytelling ability of animation need to watch something like invincible or arcane. I hear a lot of great things about arcane as well. Uh, young justice, young justice. Yeah. Um, Jesus but I've been trying to get y'all to watch that shit for I know, two years. But Invincible blew me away in ways that I just didn't, you know, especially those last two episodes and, and just the emotional turmoil that you go through with Mark as he's battling his father and, and just everything about Omni-Man versus Invincible. I can't wait for a second season. This show was such a tremendously pleasant surprise for me in so many ways that, yeah, it's, it's, it's number two on my list. Just the greatest animated series I have ever seen, and I can't wait for season two. Great call. I forgot that was this year. Yeah, absolutely. It was a wonderful, wonderful show. I highly endorsed it from the second it came out. So I'm I'm right there with you, Dave. Ray, you're number two, buddy. Um, you guys are gonna talk about the MCU proper, but I just think that WandaVision in general, the fact that it was the first of the group, and the fact that every single thing we knew about television in general. It flipped it on its head. It was such a genre-bending show that, I mean, harking upon the likes of old Twilight Zones shows and just, it 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 was so different and so clever and so well done. And the, the, the set design was impeccable. And just, and Lizzie Olsen and Paul Bettany, if, if Elizabeth Olsen doesn't win an Emmy for that shit, I mean, she was absolutely she, fantastic. Uh, she didn't. She it, didn't? It happened. She didn't. Uh, well, screw the yeah, Emmys. Boycott the Emmys, y'all. Uh, and then Agatha. I mean, everything was... And then, j- that's just from a show perspective. And then, proper to the MCU, she becomes a Scarlet Witch, offic- uh, Scarlet Witch officially. Agatha. All of that. Monica Rambeau becomes Spectrum. We have White Vision. There's so much that came from that show. But it being the the kind of the, the portal into the new world of the MCU... Um, post-pandemic and post-endgame, because that's the first thing we saw, right? That came out before Black Widow, I believe, right? The first, the first thing you saw post-endgame was Spider-Man: Far From Home. I don't count that shit. That's that's like that's part three. I'm talking about like Phase Four proper. Was was the first one was One Division? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, man. It's just fantastic. I mean, I know what you're saying. If we're being literal, you're right, but. Far from, far from far from home was such a direct response to what happened in in, in game. Well, it I just understand. wasn't. Far from up. home is considered by Marvel to be the end of Phase Three. So absolutely. Anyway, Wandavision is yes. Wandavision was terrific. And the end is a, the end of the series. The last couple episodes. Um, it's interesting because you, you've had this whole conceit of a show and then the last two episodes are very much like, hey, it's a Marvel climax, uh, um, which is a, which is a little if there is if there's, you know, something about Marvel in the MCU, it is a little formulaic formulaic. This is my problem with the ending of Shang-Chi, too. Got like that formulaic Marvel ending. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two also is an MCU thing, uh, and it's we, it's something that the MCU just did in the last week of the year and that is matt murdoch and wilson fisk appearing 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And not because of the characters, but because of what this means to the MCU as a whole. As we talked about this uh, on last week's show, when we talked about episode five of Hawkeye briefly, that they're bringing the Netflix characters in on some level is just monumental for what the MCU can do now moving forward in terms of street level characters, those heroes that are in New York is basically New York for the, sorry, everybody, New York is the heart and soul of Marvel period. End of discussion. It is it. It's Stan Lee built all of the Marvel comic universe around the places he knew. And that was New York city. And the comics have continued that tradition basically for to the present. So to to be able to know that there's now a real possibility for the Punisher, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Colleen Wing, Electra, Misty Knight, relax, I'm getting there, um, Daredevil, all of that is in play. That's the hand. That's just massive. It's massive for, for the company, and I think that they saved their best reveal for last. Uh, and so that, that was my number two. Yeah, I had that, like, the Hawkeye thing and the and the revelation of uh, of Wilson Fisk as a character. And, and basically bringing the Netflix Marvel series into the MCU proper. Uh, it, it's, it's a massive, massive moment. And, and kids, you know, Patrick gave you an admonition earlier about Kevin Feige not being wrong. Kids. Kingpin's not dead, so just relax, okay? No, stop it. Oh, sorry, Ray. I mean, he's not, but just yeah. yeah. Right. Hey, all we all we waiting on is is uh Quake and Coulson, and then hey, everything MCU, baby, we here. Didn't they? Right. Okay, let me ask you something. Didn't they have some reference to Agents of Shield in this last episode of Hawkeye? So I don't know if they had a reference to Agents it of was, Shield. So fucking bird. Yeah. Uh, but that's a complete recasting and not the character like that character had nothing to do. Not necessarily the, the going theory. And I know you, ha- I know you love these, Pat. No, I hate these. So, you know, the going theory is that that is Bobby was Laura's little sister who took the mantle after Laura retired. Because if you think about it, their oldest kid is going to college. So she had to have retired. 18 to 20 years ago, Laura did. So that fits the timeline of the new Mockingbird. That's the thought process behind it, which is why it had a 19 and not a not the Mockingbird symbol. Okay. Um, I also know that you know the first season of Agents of Shield happens during Age of Ultron or before Age of Ultron. Like, okay, like here's the thing: is it, they can make that, and it makes some sense i suppose anyway we're not here to play that game today we're here to talk about our highlights from the year my number one is movie theaters reopened and survived and there was a time on this podcast where we weren't sure we we uh, most of us thought they would survive uh in some way shape or form uh, but not only have they survived it, it all goes back to why I kept asking guys to hold off on talking about like the Shang-Chi results. Um, people, we, we questioned whether people wanted to go back to the movies. People want to go back to the movies, even if it's just for blockbusters. And that Netflix uh, miniseries that PC Tunney put us onto a while back called Voix, they talk about that. 
that you know studies show that it's the blockbusters that people are turning up the movie theaters for and that's not a bad thing but spider-man you know no way home made a billion dollars already and we're in the midst of a much more highly communicable variant of COVID 19 billion in a week so the movie the, the movie theaters are going to survive and even if shit gets shut down again i have no doubt that they won't survive going forward because they found a way you know and the studios helped 1000 percent studios helped but this could this bullet point very easily could have been us talking about the death of cinemark regal cinemas all of those companies if this had really persisted the way that people were afraid it would so that's my number one movie theaters reopen and survive ray spider-man spider-man does whatever all three spider-man can (laughs) it's my number one as well that spider-man no way home and the amalgamation point for the word of three separate universes between two separate uh um movie producer production studios and a, a a myriad of amy pascal and uh Kevin Feige and this person and that person and all of this and pe- and so many people who this the fact that they were able to pull this off and bring all this together and let the story be a beautifully told story one that's worth 4.96 from Patrick and make a billion in a week and be such it's this is one of the, I, I said it to my I said it to a friend of mine the only comic book movies I can think that are even close to this and could be better, maybe better, but in the same realm is the Infinity War Endgame duo, because that's one movie to me. I know you, I get it, I but there's one, one movie to me. And Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Other than that, this is one of the best, this is the maybe the best comic book movie I've ever seen out of those two, and one of the best movies I've ever seen. And Ridley Scott, if you don't think these motherfuckers are acting, go look at the scene with the Peters on the roof. And tell me that there's no fucking acting in these fucking movies. It's it culminated the year perfectly in that we finally got a billion dollar movie in the midst of the pandemic. It brought three universes together. It brought the beginning of the multiverse. It showed, I think, definitively that Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man bar none. Just such a great fucking end to the year. And I mean, there is. I can literally think of not one subpar, let alone negative thing in this movie and what it means for Marvel, what it means for comics, what it means for movies in general. I just, it raised the fucking bar, raised the bar. Yeah. I, uh, it's my number one as well, because it, it is a tremendous achievement on so many fronts to like you're saying, right. I think we talked about it last week and we talked about it in the nerd review that it wasn't just that, Hey, we brought in Andrew and Toby to have them do a little bit of a short cameo here, fully fleshed out characters with their own storylines and their own issues going on wrapped around four of the six villains who were very integral to the story. And okay, maybe the other two, you want to throw a complaint about it. Sandman and lizard. Eh. All right. Not exactly essential, but still um, the story was just, tremendous on so many and like like patrick said last week and we talked about it the emotion of that movie and and yeah it's not tony's death scene and it's not i love you 3000 but man it's right there with you know peter having to say goodbye to everybody that he loves 
and the powerful emotion of that and then deciding I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let them know who I really am at the end, making that decision to be alone uh, and be the Peter that we, we know and love from the comics. Um, it's a fantastic, tremendous achievement on so many fronts. And like you say, Ray, a great way to end a, I'd say an unex- unexpected year in Marvel, you know, in the MCU in general, because we really didn't touch on too much other than WandaVision. You talked about Isaiah Bradley. You had Loki, the introdu- introduction of Kang. Sure. What, what if, what if which that may which may pop up in Doctor Strange? Exactly, and and then um, Hawkeye. I want to say one more thing, and if you if you will, I apologize, but I know I haven't been on the show the past couple of weeks. I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. I want to say we know Kevin Feige is a genius. Enter Dove gift here, but it never crossed my mind in watching anything that Tom Holland has done in Spider Man, going back to Civil War to now, that we never saw his Uncle Ben moment. And what I mean is. The moment where he he was directly in the reason somebody died, which led to him realizing I, that I, did, I have to really give my all to this. I did, it never crossed my mind. We had never seen that. And when May dies, spoilers, you've seen the shit now. It's been two weeks. When May, it, it's it, it, I was in the theater like dumbfounded, like how stupid are you to not realize that shit? And the fact that um, going back, if you, if you ever played the Spider-Man video game, May worked at Feast, and um, her um, epitaph says the same thing that it did in the in the movie, um, and then the the great power, great responsibility, all this. But the fact that he fixed everybody before he sent them back, I think it's just a beautiful finality to all three universes. And I'm Spider Man ain't done, but you know what I'm saying. So it isn't just that they brought him in for nostalgia's sake. He brought him in and. Andrew Garfield was able to fix not not catching Squin and when he caught MJ. Toby was able to fix how he ended up getting um, Norman killed when he stopped the glider. He was able to fix all of the people and their issues. The lizard was cured. Sandman was all of them were cured. And I just thought that was such a beautiful finality to three universes that had so many questions that were never answered. And so now we can end on a beautifully beautifully in final note, and now move on with whatever's in the future. And I think those are underrated parts of this movie is that it, it, it wasn't just, hey, we brought these guys in because we wanted y'all to pop. Like you said, there was reasonings for it, and they finished the Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire's trilogy, and the amazing Spider-Man duo. They finished those movies in this one. I just think it's really beautiful. And I don't think anything that could have happened this year would have been bigger than that in the entertainment world. Excellent. All right. Well, and on that note, we are going to put a close on our top 10. There you have it, Bandwagoners. The Bandwagon Nerds Top 10 Nerd Moments of 2021. Here's to a great 2022. When we come back, the DC Marvel Decathlon continues. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com.
to the field as the DC Marvel Decathlon continues. Last week, DC took the lead by a margin of two points, 11-9 after a clean sweep in the, cur- in the categories of video games and television series. Or no, animation. Sorry, animation. Television is next week. Was that your Pat Sutherland, by the way? What's that? Was that your Pat Sutherland, by the way? That's just me doing a voice. That sounds sort of like it's supposed to. We couldn't get Howard Cosell, so. Howard Cosell. Truly a display. DC searches ahead. Right. So DC took a two-point lead. The viewer poll or listener poll also tied things up in that realm as it's two to two according to the viewers as marvel got a clean sweep week one dc got a clean sweep week two this week's categories are inclusion and diversity within dc and marvel as well as films who has the superior film library as i mentioned before votes have already been cast by pc tony and our good friend christopher platt tony went with DC for inclusion and Platt went uh, Marvel as his votes. So it comes to the three of us to break down this category. We're just going to keep going with the um, top 10 nerd moments order. So we will go Dave first talking about inclusion and diversity within the comics and who he thinks is superior, the superior brand. So Dave, Unlike the, other, unlike the other category we're going to talk about, this one's kind of close because mm-hmm. um, both companies have done, you know, as far as like race and that sort of thing, you know, you've seen both companies go in that direction and, and, and account for that. You know, Black Lightning, you've got that. You've got Marvel with Luke Cage, um, things like that. You know, the Shang-Chi element we just talked about with, with Marvel. Um, on the other front, though, I'm probably going to give Marvel the edge on this one simply because I like, you know, we haven't seen DC so much embrace anything, you know, like, uh, you know, from the standpoint of a same sex sort of a sexual orientation or that sort of thing. And yeah, this is recency bias, but you, and it was not big. It was not a huge moment, but you did get to see that in Eternals. And, you know, you've got DC trying to do that now with, you know, Superman's son in this alternate universe coming out saying, yes, I'm bisexual. And, you know, you, Tim you, Drake. but you, Tim Drake also. yeah, exactly. But, you know, on the other side, you've got, you know, you got Marvel. They put it right for, I mean, how many people lost their mind when Loki made the comment that he was bisexual in, in, in the Loki series and people just like, oh my God, what a great revelation. So I think, you know, as far as like, from the standpoint of race, it's probably a tie from the standpoint of like gender, like, you know, getting with, I mean, maybe you give DC the edge because there's no bigger female superhero anywhere than wonder woman. Marvel doesn't have anything to really match that. I don't think, but from every other standpoint that I'm looking at right now, I would probably give, I'll give, I'll give this one to Marvel by the very narrow margin. I think, both companies, I'd say, are probably a little bit late to the game as far as some of these issues are concerned. They're trying to catch up right now. Um, but I'm going to give this one to Marvel by a very slight margin. Just want to say, no, no, there, there, there is no female uh, character in comic book lore bigger than 
uh, Wonder Woman by in name in history. But if we're going by just what we've seen on the screen, Thanos snapped the entire world, the entire universe away, and they called Captain Marvel to come fix it. Just saying, it's, it's pretty comparable. Um, but so when originally when I when I looked at, at this category, my first thought was Marvel easy, keep it moving. And I thought about it. And I'm gonna tell you why I thought about it. The first Catwoman was Eartha Kitt, a black woman. Something most people don't remember. They're, but you you broke it down pretty fairly. But there's two reasons why I give this to Marvel. Number one is, I think it's pretty fair when it comes to race between of black people. But when it comes to Hispanics and Asians and Native Americans and so many other people, DC's never been strong with that. I mean, shout out to Ryan Choi, the Atom. Uh, but like it's. The cartoons are much better at it. You spoke about DC really hasn't had a lot of LGBT, LGBTQ called around. Um, Aqualadic, the new Aquaman, who's out of the new Aquaman and Young Justice, yeah. is openly gay. But other than that, you're right. But that's a cartoon most people don't watch. Uh, but you're right. So when it comes to when it comes to things outside of just black people, I think Marvel's better. And behind the screen is huge. Daniel Destin Credden. Uh, an Asian man filmed Shang Chi. Chloe Zhao filmed uh, was behind Eternals. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Coogler. Coogler, yeah, right. So it's not just what's on the screen. Sometimes it's behind the screen too, and um, and most importantly, we have concrete proof and evidence of why it took Marvel to go so long because Ike Perlmutter wouldn't let him. There's there is factual proof that he wouldn't, and Kevin Feige almost quit because of it. So as soon as Feige got the 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 hat, figuratively and literally, you saw the MCU get more open and this and that. Valkyrie is is openly bisexual. She hasn't had anybody yet, but it's just coming in Thor: Love and Thunder. So I want to give it to Marvel because it's way. As, I know as a black man I appreciate it, but it's the world is bigger than black and white. Uh, once again, figuratively and literally. So I got to give it to Marvel. Yeah, I'm going to give my point to Marvel, too. Um, I agree with you, Dave. It's, it is a bit closer, and Ray, it is a bit closer than, than it is at first blush. I think one of the things that we can get caught up in is just how much news Marvel has made with its effort in inclusion, on the comic end of things in particular. Because they also do catch a lot for their sort of longstanding, you know, you touched on it, Ray, their longstanding lack of inclusion in the MCU specifically the history of these two companies is rooted in racism um, because yeah. it's and is as i right i when we did our our one little episode of the five by five and dave and i are going to try to do a five by five coming up soon i talked about this movie white christmas or not white christmas um holiday Inn, mm-hmm. one of my favorite holiday movies horribly racist and it's funny, after I talked to you about it, Ray, I then went back and rewatched it. It was like, not only is there the blackface thing, but like there's a black housekeeper who's a Mamie character. Her two children are like her her son's name is Vanderbilt. Um, like just there's all kinds of horrible shit. And um, and, it, and both companies are very much a product of its time. And if you go back as jingoism in particular, mm-hmm. uh, Asian men are yellow. Uh, it's it's everywhere. It's all over Marvel. It's all over DC. And as people have evolved, uh, comics have evolved. And 
I I started looking at Marvel in the 60s, actually, as really one of the big turning points for them. And again, I point to a, a man by the name of Stan Lee who created a comic book uh, called The X-Men. And the X-Men is straight up an allegory for the civil rights movement. Uh, the only thing he couldn't do, because probably the comics codes couldn't make the characters black. So it's a bunch of white people who, by fault of their birth, are oppressed. And, you know, you look at it now and it, it feels dated and ham-fisted. But at the time, like, that's a pretty radical thing that he made palatable that, that was important. Now, Marvel got things wrong a lot, too. Luke Cage in his early iterations is black exploitation. Shang-Chi in his earlier iterations, you know, is really, really bad. I don't know what the, the, the word is for black exploitation for Asian people, but that's what Shang-Chi was. Um, you know, Iron Fist is a white savior savior. It, it's still like, just like anywhere else, it really stumbled in. So I really looked at this from, from the angle of the comics. Cause you look at the characters now, uh, you talked about, Gay characters, Bobby Dream, yeah. uh, you know, came out. Um, was it Sunfire, also a gay character or something? There's another. Um, oh, like Shatterstar, Shatterstar and Longshot are a well-known couple yeah. in Marvel. Yep. Hulkling, Hulkling and Wiccan. And Wiccan. Yep. Um, but you know, Amadeus Cho is a genius Asian. You know, that's one of the more you know one of the more important young people. Uh, about to see America Sanchez. We're about to see um, Riri. We're about to like Black Panther, like all of that. And so for me, it it kind of kills the argument. And part of it is my own familiarity with the material. Like at the end of the day, I just know Marvel better than DC on this sort of thing. And and my bias goes goes to them. But you don't see DC celebrated the same way you see Marvel. One last thing, like this ties into like Ray talking about uh, Isaiah Bradley. You know, right. Falcon and Winter Soldier really put race at the forefront and, and touched upon yep. the whole notion that can we actually have a black Captain America? Well, yes, we can. And here's why. And we're going to resolve a series around getting from point A to point B. And they did that immensely well. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so that brings us to film. Do we have to talk about it? Do we really have to talk we about do. it? We do. And um, as I'm guys, are your points going to Marvel? Of course. Oh God. <laughs> as, as bad as the animation route was, it's the equal and even more so on Marvel. As far as film goes, it's not, yeah. it's not close. So no, here's what I want to say though. Here's what I want to say about film that I think is really important to note and to talk about. Cause I think it's fair in fairness to DC. DC did give us the first wave of viable superhero movies in the United States of America in the eighties. The regardless how you feel, like I still, you guys talked about like greatest superhero movies of all time. I still will fight to the death over Superman two, especially the Donner version, uh, the Donner cut, if you will, of Superman two, Superman one and Superman two made the made comic book movies as a medium viable. And then you followed that up with Tim Burton's Batman and Batman Returns, which, by the way, kids, Batman Returns, pretty good little movie. I disagree with Ray. Might be about Christmas. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I just I just wanted to make you cringe. Um, and, and really, those those movies 
laid a laid a foundation that allowed for the '90s for us to revisit comic book movies when DC or when Marvel really took it over because you know the Batman movies went bad when we got Joel Schumacher involved and it just you know why we had bat nipples nobody knows and just a terrible story Clooney even admits like um how terrible his Batman movie was and like damn we really shouldn't have done that movie but it it led us to Fox taking a chance on the X-Men it I don't know who did Blade Blade was first was Fox no but was Fox Blade or was it um New Line New Line it was New Line Cinema New Line Cinema took a chance on Blade and Wesley Snipes, and we got the X-Men, that's Spider-Man. So they had a big run in the 90s. It allowed for us to, unfortunately, have multiple poor attempts at Fantastic Four uh, movies. And then you skip about a decade, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the juggernaut and, and basically quashes the argument. And DC has just never been able to get back to what captured people in those two films outside of, I would say wonder woman Shazam is fun. And Aquaman was good. Aquaman was good, but it was basically underwater Thor. Like, and that's always been what, whatever works, works big dog. But that was a problem is that it, it was still like, like it, it was a, it was a watered down Marvel movie. So even in putting out a good movie, it was like, you could even argue the same thing. With wonder woman and captain America though. Um, War, the war, the war, and, yeah. One's World War One, one's literally, World War Two. Literally, a dude named Steve goes down in a plane, like in both <laughs> movies. Like, let's just call it what it is. Anyway, well, so Steve yeah, Trevor came me, down in pieces, but anyway, go ahead. Damn, snap. Um, so yeah, for me, Marvel gets us in a walk, but I felt it was important to at least acknowledge there were some quality DC films that were in front of the Marvel run that we're on now. By the way, don't forget, I know we don't count them as proper Marvel because they were bought, but Men in Black is a Marvel property. Yeah, it's true. What I will say about this, two points that I want to make. Obviously, this is Marvel because the MCU is the most successful movie franchise in history, dare I say. Um, at this point, you can you, it's not even arguable. And, and what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has accomplished is mm-hmm. remarkable. But yeah, prior to 2008, I would give this to DC easily because I would say Superman, Superman two and Batman leading it. What maybe, maybe, okay. You got the Spider-Man trilogy, but yeah, you got man, Spider-Man blade X-Men two. I'd still, I don't know. I'd still go, I'd still go DC, but, and maybe that is my bias, but I'm like you, Pat. I think Superman two is a DC bias right there. Dave (laughs) Ungar's DC bias. But I get you. Here's one thing I did want to point out. And, and query you guys about this. Iron Man kicks off the MCU, but Dark Knight comes out the same year. If Dark Knight doesn't come out at the same, roughly the same time as Iron Man, do you guys think Iron Man is as, success, as successful as it was? Because that movie really, and I don't remember which one came out first. I think Dark Knight might have come out first. But I think those two movies kind of played off of each other a lot and really made 2008 kind of the flashpoint to steal a pun as to, you know, the movies as far as superhero movies go. Um, but I will, I will say this DC has suffered greatly because the MCU has created unreasonable expectations for what they're supposed to be doing. And people are all upset. There's no continuity here. And DC's like, there doesn't have to be, we're not trying to be these guys, but everybody wants them 
to be. They so, weren't trying. And they, they were, like, and then oh, it oh, failed. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, you know, I'll make a I'll make a different point as to, and we've talked about these points. We've hammered them before. Uh, the Dark Knight was both good and bad for the DC cinematic attempts because the Dark Knight is real grounded and gritty. And I've said this over and over and over again. You know why Iron Man and the MCU took off? It's because it was fucking fun. And at the end of the day, I like the Dark Knight trilogy, which I think is funny because, you know, Batman Begins is the first movie in that in that trilogy. But nobody ever calls it that is the Dark Knight trilogy. Christopher Nolan. That is it is cerebral. It is gritty. It is dark. It is comic book movie with a higher purpose. It's why people like Joker. Um, but when Warner Brothers was like, we want to do what Marvel's doing but we have to be different. They went, they leaned into like the wrong things that made their movie successful and didn't really lean into what they needed to do to make a, a, a cinematic universe successful. And it's gotta be like, I talk about this all the time with Superman, like the new Superman movies are just, they're depressing. They're washed out. It's well, no, was one. There, there was, there's there was no vibrance. There was one, but you said movies. There was one. And yeah. You don't count Batman versus Superman as a as a no. movie. No. no. Okay. Do well, you? you're it's his franchise. I, I do. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, in their attempt to to synthesize these universes too, you know, just but those movies are washed out. They're gray. They're dour. And here's the other reason why Lex Luthor is the primary antagonist in Batman versus Superman. That is a Superman villain more than a Batman villain. I will always err on the side of it's a Superman movie more than it's a Batman. And okay, I, I, but sure. But is Captain America: Civil War an Iron Man movie? No, it's Avengers. Iron Man has just as much FaceTime in it as it's Avengers two point five. Ray, that's what it really was. And that, I feel like Batman versus Superman is Justice League zero point five. Maybe uh, I don't the way that the way that they treat Superman and idol worshiping and uh, I. That's a that's a it's an argument. It's a good conversation, yeah. It's a good conversation. Yeah, it's, it's a conversation. Your point is your point is not lost, by the way. Right, but my my point here is is that at, at the end of the day, DC and its attempt to be you know to try our Warner Brothers and DC and their attempt to try and get this franchise have just continued to fall over itself. And I think now that they've started to find a place where they're like, look, let's just embrace that this shit isn't unified. They're they're starting to at least put out things that look intriguing and exciting to see um, with some level of connective tissue here and there. Cause like wonder woman, 1984, ain't got shit to do with justice league. Now it's not a, the greatest of movies, but it's not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination. Shazam basically exists in its own world, even though Superman shows up in a post-credit scene. Um, From and, the neck you know, down. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's just, there's so much that Marvel just, created that you don't think of comic book movie without thinking about Marvel and DC missed their opportunity to put their own stamp on what Marvel does and make it uniquely DC, but keeping some of those elements of what Marvel has, has created that formula that has worked. That's worked so well for them. I think we should all get, we should all get applause for taking the easiest point in this entire decathlon and turning it into a 10-minute conversation. We should all get applause for that, Pat. (laughs) 
You didn't think I'd have bullets on the side of DC to talk about? I knew, and I, I, knew you I, I feel guilty that I forgot about the Dark Knight trilogy because you really shouldn't. Um, that's an achievement in filmmaking. And Joker is, you know, uh, also an achievement in, in film. Um, you Bane is too. Bane? Oh, you mean The Dark Knight Rises? Yeah. I, I will. And I'm, this, I, I, said, I hate to I called it the trilogy. The Dark Knight no, Tremendous. Tremendous. Oh, I thought you, you said Joker the movie. I thought you meant Heath Ledger Joker. Got you. I apologize. I heard you wrong. Right, 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 right. Yes, yeah. Joker is an achievement yeah, in filmmaking. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, there's right. still and, nothing uh, that has topped Heath Ledger's performance. I don't right. know. Right. And Marvel, as far as like in depth film, it depends on what you're looking for out of your villain. Because um, I would argue that Tom Hiddleston has, a, has an argument. Bane uh, was better than Joker to me. Okay, now that's just a hot take. And we got to table that one. Uh, because we're going to move into Patrick's pitch here. Um, the final tally after that drubbing by Marvel over DC now means that Marvel holds a 20 to 10 edge in the Marvel DC decathlon. So DC has some Did work DC to do. DC have 11? Wasn't it 11 and 9? Did we take or, a- sorry, um, 20? My math is off. Like, hey, we, math, we, math, that that, that a, movie category was so bad. We took a point away from DC. Oh, I flipped. I flipped it. I know what I did. I did the math backwards. Stop. <laughs> so it was eleven to nine in favor of DC, and so it becomes one point to DC. So that gives them twelve, which means Marvel should have eighteen, and that equals thirty. Right there, we go. 9 plus 9 is 18. 11 plus 1 is 12. Patrick O'Dowd was an English major. He doesn't care about this math bullshit. <laughs> uh, next week's categories. Give me one second as it takes my word program. Oh, it actually opened up really quick today. Let's see if the actual document opens up. Uh, we are definitely talking about television series. Um, it's more of a question of... I can't remember what the other category was. Still thinking... This compelling television. Well, this is the fourth one, right? Yes. And you were saving heroes and villains for the end? Yes. Right. So it's got to be teams. Oh, yes. Okay. So that should be interesting. Might narrow. Yep. TV-streaming and teams are the categories for next week. So that'll be what we have coming up. All right. No music today. Actually, you know what? I still haven't recorded something new, so we'll just do this for Patrick's Is mayonnaise pitch. an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? All right, gentlemen, all three of us this week will do a pitch for Patrick's Pitch. We are coming up. This is the last episode of 2021, which means we're heading into the new year. And it's time to be a little cliche, gentlemen. So I want you to pitch a New Year's resolution for bandwagon nerds. I'll go first. I'll go first. I, Patrick O'Dowd, resolve not to reference something negative in a comparison to Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> wow that's my that is i mean t- that's setting the bar awfully awfully high ray you got oh, yes. it 
So is it something I resolve or I want the, the, you can, the show to resolve? Can, or the show can resolve. Yeah, you have latitude. I would like for the show to resolve that not making people watch shit they ain't trying to watch. Damn it. Lock and key. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm joking. Only a little bit. <laughs> Dave, Dave. Uh, wow. What, what a solution. Huh. Oh, I don't know, man. I, I resolved to actually like maybe like take a couple of Sundays off this year just to just for shits that's and real. giggles. So, you know, that sort of thing. But uh yeah. I mean everything everything's good, man. I, I, I enjoy all the stuff that we're doing. So I resolved to not talk so much and extrapolate so much and to not rag on Last Jedi. How about that? Uh we- we all resolve to continue to give y'all fantastic ass content every Monday. How about that? I agree with that one 100%. Dave, you wouldn't be you if you didn't ex, ex you know, pontificate. Yes. I almost said exfoliate and was like, no, that's a skin well, I thing. I need to do that too, but you know. <laughs> Probably. Don't we all? Everybody, spa day for the bandwagon. That'd be, that'd be something. Um, no, but it wouldn't be you if you if I didn't have to cut you off or like get you ahead of time to be like just don't don't unload the entire cart with the horse. So anyway, excellent resolutions. I look forward to a, a great new year with all of you um, and all of you out there listening. So that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Before we get go, before we get going. Uh, let's go once around with the three of us that are here and remind everybody where they can find us. I'm gonna do something different. I'm going to go first, and then I'm going to wrap the show. You can follow me at Wrestling Realist, at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also, make sure that you follow Bandwagon Nerds. That is at Bandwagon Nerds. Easy to follow and find. Ray Cash. I'm at Ray. It's Ray Cash. It's R-E-Y-S and Mysterio, C-A-S-H-S and dollars. I can't wait to see what your name for January is going to be, Ray. We got to work on that. Yeah, you whatever y'all give me out. You the best person, the best uh, idea I'll put up because I hadn't thought nothing of it. And yes, one Percival Charles Tunney is gonna make me change it. So of hey. course he will. Like, yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A G G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Bandwagon Nerds. I completely forgot to do this, so I am going to put in a quick plug that if you love what we've done these last two years going into our third year on the bandwagon and you want to represent us or you want to represent chairshot.com in some way, head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chairshot and invest in a pro uh, in a chairshot.com shirt. Those shirts are $19.99 for your standard style or 20 some bucks if you want to pay a few dollars more. First soft style, totally worth it. Get something that feels nice on your giblets, and we appreciate your support. One last time, follow the show on Twitter as well, at Bandwagon Nerds. Otherwise, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out out of the basement, get some sun, and have a happy new year from all of us to all of you at the Bandwagon. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com.
When I say run, you run. When I say hide, you hide. And when I say get to run. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.